0: Welcome to the Wellness for Women SA podcast. If you've been here before, welcome back. Thank you for your support. And if you're new here, we really hope you find value in our conversations. We would also appreciate it if you shared it with a loved one, so that they can also benefit from it. Something really exciting that's happening at Wellness for Women, we are starting our journey to self program tomorrow the 1st of July good news though if you didn't sign up and you wanted to it's an ongoing program so you can sign up anytime and just start the following month it's a self-paced program runs over six months or longer depending on you (laughs) and it um, you receive beautiful gift boxes with items relating to the course there is community support via a dedicated facebook group where you can connect with like-minded women and you can also receive uh, support from the practitioners when you feel that you need it it runs over um, six months like i said and the payments are also over six months and it's a beautiful program with six courses by six wellness practitioners all of the information just head to the link in the show notes and um, if you have any questions DM or email we're happy to answer. With that I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Claudia we're talking about all things mental health. Grab your cup of coffee or your glass of wine and enjoy today's episode. welcome on the podcast thank you so much for joining me today um i'm just going to jump right in and ask you to introduce yourself tell us who you are what you do why you do it and um how you came about doing it
1: great thank you much for having me um this is such an important conversation so i'm really happy to be here so to jump right into your questions um So my name is Claudia Sato. I'm from Johannesburg, South Africa. I am a part-time wellness counselor and coach with the Association for Supportive Counselors and Holistic Practitioners. I have been practicing as such since early 2019. Um, My full-time job, however, is within the mental health advocacy field. I'm a deputy CEO, of um, the Global Mental Health Peer Network, which is an international nonprofit organization that deals with mental health advocacy. Uh, We advocate for improved mental health care and services, equal treatment, and our work is really based on the premise of a human rights framework. We are currently represented in 35 countries, and we have 84 lived experience representatives across the world. Um, And what's really nice about that is that um, everybody within the organization, from the volunteers through to the CEO, is somebody that has had personal experience with a mental health condition or continues to have and is managing a condition. Why I do what I do, there's a little bit of a backstory to that. so in 2010, I actually was admitted as an attorney. So I studied law, did my LLB. I went into practice for just over two years. Um, found it very difficult to get into the actual practicing world. Um, and I didn't really enjoy it as much as I th- um, From that, I sort of transitioned um, as a person as well. And I wanted more from life, but I fell into a bit of a depression um, because things weren't working out the way I needed it and wanted it to. Um, so I landed up just feeling really anxious for most of the time um, and depressed. So subsequent to that, I was hospitalized on two occasions um, for anxiety um, and at one stage, they the doctors thought it could also be bipolar disorder because there was a lot of mood swings that were going um, that were in conjunction with the depression um, and very irrational behaviour. So, basically, the transition into the mental health field from law was in, was inspired by my experience with a mental health condition, and in this case, specifically anxiety and combined ADHD and OCD. And um, after treatments and once my 21 days were up at the hospital, the private clinic, um, I'll I'll never forget the last question they asked us in our group sessions. Um, It was, so what now? What does it mean for Claudia now? If you're leaving the hospital, what is your plan? And you kind of be, you get yourself involved in this institutionalization. It becomes a safe space where you are. Once you've opened up and you meet new people that are experiencing similar things to you, you you kind of get a little bit comfortable, and then it becomes scary to leave. And when they asked me that question, I thought, oh, my goodness, I actually have to have a plan to reintegrate into society again. And um, that's when I opted to study for psychology and Veer off into the advocacy um, route, you know, of mental health, and the idea was to help people improve quality of life, and you know, help those that I could possibly, you know, facilitate my experiences with, and, and help them to help themselves. Um, so that's essentially the the who, the what, and the why, and the how. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. It's- Almost every practitioner that I do speak to have some kind of uh, yes, that like you're saying, that lived experience. And I think coming from that space just makes it so much more um, powerful when you do work with a practitioner like that because they do they do really understand, and mm. there isn't you know there isn't any judgment from their side because they know where you're at, and but they yeah. also they went through it and they came out the other side so they it's kind of that trust of that they can help you get through to the other side because they did it themselves yes. exactly um, yes yeah. and and so now that you are on the other side
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. um,
0: i want to ask you what does wellness mean to you what does the concept mean to you how do you how do you bring that into your own life coming from from that space where you were at To where you are now? What does wellness mean to you?
1: Well, for me, wellness means being in a healthy state um, of mind, body, and spirit. So, all sort of combined. Um, I asked my, like, you'd ask yourself the question do I feel happy and healthy in the physical, the mental, the social well being aspects? And if you say yes, then that means you're well and you know, you're able to function properly and deal and cope with the daily stresses. Um, And a lot of the time people think of wellness as oh, if you're well, that means you don't have an illness. And that's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily the absence of an illness that makes you feel well. Um, But for me, it's that whole integrated um, model of all the domains in our lives as human beings and us being in a healthy good state of mind body soul
0: and why uh, it might seem like a silly question but i think a lot of people don't um put a lot of emphasis on their own mental health i think a lot of Mm -hmm. people um, become obsessed with their physical health or they just do not even um take their mental health into consideration in their daily life they just they just survive through their day. Yeah. Um, why, why is mental health so important? Why is it so important to look at our mental health?
1: It's, it's really important to, you know, take care of our mental health because mental health is actually a concept, but it falls within the umbrella form of health. So if we want to be healthy, it also means we need to be mentally healthy, Mm -hmm. right? So if you are feeling or if you're in a bad mental health state, it's going to affect your ability to function at school and at work or finding life balances, coping with adversity. Um, So you have to look after your mental health because essentially, health there can be no health. And that's something that's globally recognized by various stakeholders, and even the World Health Organization and the bigger stakeholders. Um, they really are encouraging people to understand that mental health is a part of health. Like you had mentioned earlier, it's not only physical health that makes you healthy. Also your psychological and spiritual well falls part of health. Um, and mm-hmm. if we were to look at the um, the World Health Organization's definition of mental health—it's—they say it to be a state of well-being in which an individual realizes his/her his or her own abilities can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively, and co- and who can also contribute to society and co- in the community. So, if we look at that, that explains why mental health is so important. Because if you're lacking in those aspects, then are you really healthy?
0: I think it's so interesting when, um, you know, after I had uh, my son, and you go for your um, six-week checkup, um, and they, you know, they give you the go-ahead, you, you recovering fine, but they look at your, you know, they look, I had a C-section, so they look at, is the wound healing nicely, and not at any point did anyone ask me, how are you coping mentally? How you coping emotionally? Mm-hmm. That only yeah. looked at my physical body, how it's recovering, and gave me the go ahead. Um, you know, you can drive and start exercising all mm. that. Mm. No one asked me the question of how I'm coping mentally, and I actually did really, really struggle with um, anxiety. And yeah, that's something that was asked.
1: Yeah and I think that's that's the problem with the fact that mental health is an in, i mean that mental disorders are mostly invisible. So if you mm. can't see it it cannot be there and that's the general perception. However mm. for me what I often say and this is you know within my advocacy space as well as counseling is the weirdest thing about us calling mental disorders invisible is the fact that actually it's quite physical you also feel a lot of things so you're anxious that's an emotion you feel anxious you get sweaty palms you you know so that's quite physical actually as well but most cases you don't see it so people just kind of push that aside and you know if you're physically okay and you can drive and you can go back home and you can look after your child then okay you must be fine you're healthy so it's I think stories like yours and know just people coming out and saying you know what somebody didn't ask me that question and they should have because that might have changed the process Mm -hmm. to of recovery yeah
0: and you know for me you you kind of especially being a new mom so everything is new and you kind of think, okay, well, this must be normal. This must be what everyone mm-hmm. goes through, you know? So I don't want to complain because everyone else did it. Everyone else went through it and they, they were fine. So I'll be fine. So you can yeah. just kind of through and, you know, you don't, especially now that you have this beautiful little baby and you don't, you don't want to come across as complaining or ungrateful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you just might kind of deal with it and you push it aside and you're like, well, this is normal. This is motherhood. I'm going to suck it up you know yeah absolutely. And that's kind of yeah and it, it's just i really think in the medical field you know even in the the antenatal classes um they focus a lot on what you're going through physically they and and, yeah. the birth. and they did talk a little bit about postpartum depression um mm-hmm. you know but then they mentioned that they'll they if you struggle after the birth they'll give you some pulls and you'll be fine that you know yeah um, yeah but it was never really, I don't know. It was never really a focus, or and I think it should be a focus as much as the focus of what's happening mm-hmm. physically. Be, but anyway, yeah. yeah. So not to go too much off track there. Um, mm-hmm.
1: How
0: how can we? How do we take care of our mental health? Um, like in our daily lives, in a practical sense,
1: how mm-hmm. do how do we take care of our mental health? Well, I think, you know, that question, while it seems so simple, it's quite complex, right? Um, because there's so many aspects to, to it. So when we say taking care of our mental health, we need to be self-aware of what exactly do we want to take care of. So I want to look after my mental health, but what does it actually mean? Right. So now we've delved in earlier in the conversation to say we need to look at it from a physical, social, spiritual, emotional, psychological aspect. So my thing is self-awareness is the biggest, most important step to taking care of your mental health. You need to be aware of what you want to change, where you want to work on, on what do you want to work on, um, and then start taking active steps towards those goals. Mm. So once once somebody becomes self-aware of what they wanna actually change and improve on, then the, the next thing mm. is commit to doing what you need to do. Hold yourself accountable, have an accountability partner. Um, mm. Sometimes that will be in the form of a peer or a friend, colleague, and if not, it could be a counselor, it could be a psychologist, somebody that kind of helps you, you know, get to where you wanna go, make lists, seek help get priority lists in place um, and develop yourself as a person and that will require self-reflection introspection and the idea here is to not necessarily get rid of what's in your life it's more of a build and broaden approach what do we have in place that works that we can also improve on? And what do we have in place that doesn't work that we can also improve on? So it's a continuous development and improvement. And the only way you can do that is if you really are looking at it from a self-awareness perspective, because a lot of the time we we go, okay, we're gonna take care of our mental health, which means my husband needs to behave in certain ways. Society needs to stop you know, being difficult about mental health. Um, I need to get the correct medication, but do you take those steps? Because it's got to start with you in order for it mm-hmm. to kind of spread through your support system.
0: Yeah, I think it's so important to to emphasize the fact that it does start with you, that you have to take responsibility for your own mental health. Um, and when you were mentioning uh, the self-awareness aspect, um, it really does take work if you if you do want mm-hmm. to take care of your mental health it takes work and that commitment of saying okay i'm gonna do all of these practices whether it's journaling or you know meditation or just yeah. that introspection that you but you have to make the time for that and actually commit to it and i like yeah. what you said with it's like a, a bold um approach it's not i'm gonna because the usual i think the usual mindset is okay i need to remove remove all of this out of my life because that's bad yeah. for me but instead yeah. of that, look at what can I add to my life that mm-hmm. will work for me, that will work with my lifestyle, um, and my current schedule. What can what, what works with my personality? What works, yeah. I, I like yeah. the idea of just adding in instead of focusing on what you need to remove or cut out yeah. or um, yeah. and you were mentioning as well, reaching out for support um and why do you think it's so hard for us to ask for support or reach out for help or even sometimes it's offered to us but we find uh-huh. it so difficult to accept that help what wh- where do you think that comes in why do we have that that difficulty of of um
1: uh, reaching for support mm. well so for me and you know my perspective is that there's two reasons Okay, the first one being the general reason that we would all, you know, kind of want to answer this question with is the societal stigma that's associated with mental health. Um, And that prevents people from seeking help because of all those negative perceptions, negative stereotypes, um, the, you know, the ugly language people use to describe people living with conditions. Um, So there's that societal stigma. But for me, and this, this was actually something I struggled with initially when I was hospitalized um, at Kiso in, in 2015, was the self-stigma. I was mm. self-stigmatizing myself. In other words, I was saying to myself, before anything had even happened, I was like, people are gonna think I'm the crazy one. People are gonna think I can't cope. Um, mm. I'm a Lawyer, yet I'm in an institution um, that can't be right, like there has to be something wrong with me, you know, mm-hmm. so you kind of personalize it to yourself, um, and you you put those beliefs in yourself, and you, you genuinely become encompassed by it, and then you, from that, you're like, you know what, hold on, I don't want to do this, actually, um, mm-hmm. because if I do this, What does that mean now? Does it mean I can't ever have a life again? Does it mean I'll never be able to perform as a professional? So, you know, the combined societal stigma also creates and brings about self-stigma, and a lot of people do that. And working for the Global Mental Health Care Network, hearing recovery stories, um, which you can also find out on our webpage, but it's a global, which was a global project we did, and a lot of people mentioned that they self-stigmatized as well. So I found that to be actually very interesting because the general perception is that it's the societal stigma, the cultural stigmas that's attached to mental health. But sometimes it goes deeper than that. It goes into you believing that you're not worthy enough anymore, that you're not even worthy enough for help. So why even go and ask for help? Can people really fix you? Um, so, so that's kind of how I would look at it. And and people would then, uh, from either the societal or the self-stigmatization perspective, then you would have the fear of the unknown, the, the fear of being judged, and then the fear of self-judgment as well. Yeah, you know,
0: you, as you were talking, the, the judgment came up for me. Um, and I think even for me, that was why you know, I, I didn't say anything to anyone and just... Um, that that self-judgment because if i think mm. back now really an actual fact if i reached out to the people closest to me and said listen i am struggling um and i don't think this is how it should be and i need a bit of support maybe you know i need to some, yeah you know professional help maybe get some anxiety medication or some coping skill or something um yeah. No, I I cannot think of a single person in my life. If I said that to them, that they would have judged me and and yeah. said, "Listen, yeah. no, what what are you talking about?" Yeah. So it completely yes, it was absolutely that self judgment and that fear of um because I take being a mom so serious,
1: um mm-hmm.
0: you yeah, like most moms do, but that fear of. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not, they're going to think I'm not a good mom or I don't yeah. want to be a mom. I love my child. Yeah, you know, all these stories that you create in your mind that's not the actual truth. Um. Yeah, I think the self judgment, that's a very interesting point that you made. Um, usually people would go, yeah, but everyone's going to think this about me and mm-hmm. this, you know, exactly. This is yeah. or whatever. But a lot of that is just, um, yeah, us judging ourselves and making up all these stories when now in hindsight, I see it was absolutely not true. If I just yeah. said something to someone, I would have, you know, it's, it's, I didn't even have severe, severe anxiety, but just enough to make it really, really difficult, yes. I difficult to get through every day and. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just say something. Just because people as well can't read your mind, they they don't know what's going exactly. on. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, going on to the next question, my, uh, uh, most of us will either know someone um, with or experience mental illness ourselves. Um, uh-huh. How do we support? When it happens, how do we support ourselves? Or how do we support loved ones um, going through it?
1: Um, Good question. So I think um, when it comes to ourselves, the first thing is you need to ask for help, right? Because you can't support yourself by yourself, Mm. right? So you need to ask for help. And that can be just one, even if it's just one person that you trust, open up, speak about it. Um, to that someone. In addition to that, you know, bringing in self-care techniques and routines is going to help you within the other domains of wellness. And then finding a correct support system. So usually, um, you know, when we think, oh, we need a support system, that means I have to have a psychologist, a psychiatrist, I need to be seeing coaches and counselors. And while that's in some insta- instances, it may need to go to the the extent of going to the psychiatrist, but sometimes your support system is right there at home, mm. right? It starts with your partner. It starts with the person you're living with because you are at home, right? Especially now during COVID, you're at home most of the time. So you need to be able to ask the person that you're living with for help. Um, the, other, the other aspect would be if you were – working at the office you need you would need to speak to a peer that you most you become friends with people eventually once you're at the same workplace for a while you know pick somebody that you feel can you can trust and that would actually somewhat have your back right should Mm -hmm. stuff happen um Mm -hmm. so it's about really again this goes back to introspection self-reflection looking at the different domains and go From a social aspect, who can I ask? From a relationship aspect, who could I speak to? Um, What self-care and physical exercises am I doing, if any? If not, what can I do? Um, And also, it should be things that you enjoy. So you're not forcefully going to go run around your complex for a half an hour. Because if you're doing something you don't enjoy, that defeats the purpose. So if you have a creative mind and you know journaling is maybe something you enjoy or you like to write music, then you need to go into those aspects. So it's really about that self-awareness again. Um, and then the difficult one, and I, I actually feel like this is the hardest, is how do loved ones support us, right, yeah. um, that, that are going through these illnesses? And um, I actually watched – documentary very recently and they were talking about you know how difficult it was for a mom to understand her teenager was you know being so irrational and just crying and shaking and she was a good medical student so they couldn't understand you have good grades you've got a good family what's going on and Mm -hmm. I think for loved ones to support loved ones is so hard but my I think my key advice would be listen to what the person's asking for so if the person's asking please can you take me to my counseling session and that's all that you do that's fine Mm -hmm. you're part of the process you are helping that person if the person's like you know what I need to get my medication today but I really can't get out of bed can you help me go to disc and go pick up the medication for that person it's those kinds of things you're not expected to know what the disorder is to such a you know, to such a degree that you can verbatim say what it is because that's every person firstly is different, so no one's going to react in the same way. So I think it's about that other person just listening to what is being asked for, showing empathy and just saying, I'm here for you if you need me, when you need me, and just having that connectedness, making sure the connectedness is not lost between the two of you. Um, but with that said, you know, everyone needs to be careful of their own mental health. So not to kind of get consumed too much that it starts affecting your own mental health as well. So that's just sort of that side note that I want to add in there. Because sometimes we get absorbed in trying to help somebody and it's not going the way you think it should be going, then you start getting anxious and you start f- feeling like you, you're not helping. That answers the question.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah it's kind of like his connection so it's so important to keep that connection or focus on that connection so that the other person will trust you enough to come to you and say listen I need this or I need this so um focusing yeah. on the core yeah that core connection um and when you are going through something really just um voicing it I, I find with even in life in general if, even if it has nothing to do with my mental health or whatever just if there's an issue or if there's something that you know i'm, I'm struggling with just really voicing it to someone may yeah. just it, it kind of um you know i don't know it just i answer yeah. my own questions like i don't even need the other person to say anything but just having me. that person there and i voice whatever it is that's going on is such me. a big help for me Um, And then the other thing I think that comes up is is to be aware of not isolating yourself. um, Yes. Which is something I think... Yes. um, And that, again, comes in with having that connection because if someone that you know that's struggling starts isolating themselves to really just check in and...
1: and Yeah. 100%. Connected.
0: When we look at anxiety, can you maybe shed some light on what what is it what is anxiety um and how how do we manage it
1: best sure so um anxiety is an emotion right and it's also this is something I think everyone should realize is that it's an it's actually an immediate reaction it's our body's natural immediate reaction to an abnormal event or a stressful situation, our body goes and does its own thing to react, so we either then fight or flight um, but it is your body's reaction, so we need to understand that when you feel anxious, it doesn't all anxious, it's your body saying, hey, something's up, let's just be a little bit on alert and let's react, you know fight or flight, so and then it's about how you react to that so when it's it becomes unhealthy when it be affects your ability to handle your daily tasks, right, in general. So work, home, studies. Um, once that is affected and it's impairing on your ability to function in that sense, that's when anxiety can become chronic, right? And that comes or, or looks like um You worry, you become this worrier about future events, events that haven't yet happened. You're worrying already about what's gonna happen or if something happens, how will you handle it? And you Mm -hmm. forget about the present, you know? Um, And sometimes there's things that we need to look at right now and deal with right now, but when anxiety gets to become crippling, you forget about the right now, you literally worry about only what's going to happen next. Um, that's when you start feeling hot, palpitations. You you know get sweaty palms. Um, you you kind of s- some people sort of go back and forth, you know, in their chair to try and calm down, and everything seems like it's just an impending doom. So that's anxiety, you know, of um, disorder. So once it affects your daily ability to deal with things, to cope with adversity. Um, And the way to manage it is really, again, looking at what do you have in place that you can work on and what can you add into your lifestyle. So mindfulness techniques are super important when it comes to anxiety due to the fact that by virtue of the nature of anxiety, you're worrying about the future. So the idea of mindfulness present, there's no point in you freaking out about the future when you're not living in the present moment right now because you will not be able to cope with something that comes up, right? So mindfulness techniques are super important. Um, Breathing techniques as well. Again, based on the premise that, you know, especially as a beginner, when you're doing breath work, you often find yourself thinking about other things and your next task and what do you need to do after you finish this meditation. And the idea is to use the focus of breath and to bring yourself back to the present moment, to have that grounding effect um, and to feel supported by your body, the ground, you know, so it's getting back to that that neutral space. Um, and yoga is a great way to relieve a little bit of anxiety, to relieve tension that sits within the neck and the shoulders, because as soon as we go into anxiety it becomes like a monster and it literally just cripples our whole body and we're going to tense mode so to use exercise and stretch those muscles out um, and there's so many videos now in today's times that we can find on youtube and we can find on podcasts and on apps that could be really helpful in, in you getting back to a mindful space um i even spray lavender spray linen linen um, lavender spray on the bed before I sleep just to have that calming nice sense of lavender you know it's it's just so calming so just that's mm-hmm. an active self-care technique
0: I think that, yeah I think even when it comes to something like anxiety people you know a lot of people might think that it's going to take this massive thing you have to do or you have to go- you have to go see a psychiatrist, or you have to go on medication, yeah. whatever. But sometimes, you know, it just takes that something to take you out of your mind and back into mm-hmm. your body, back into the present, like you were saying, um, and kind of just doing small things throughout the day that keep you in this state of calm and
2: presence.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so kind of not letting yourself get ahead of yourself, but I'm just, yeah, yeah having those small things. Like for me, definitely, essential oils work amazingly. Like I, I yeah. have my common roller that I had someone made a beautiful blend for me. And I, I use it throughout the day. I don't wait until I get, you know, anxious yes. in my mind. I use it throughout the day. And I meditate every day. And I, yes. I, you know, check in with myself every now and then. And I see, oh, my shoulders are hunched up. Okay. Bring them, bring them down and bring
1: them
0: down. Yeah. A, yeah. Take a deep breath. And you know, kind of just those small little things you can do throughout the day to keep yourself in a state of calm and presence. And I think also if you know you you are prone to being very anxious, again, take that responsibility for your own mental health. And like you said, there are so many free resources. Yeah. Empower yourself and educate yourself. With those uh, that information and those free resources, Absolutely. use them, put them into action. Um, it is your responsibility. Um,
1: yeah, and I think just you know, like you say, it shouldn't put these techniques in place only when you're feeling anxious. This has got to be part of your life now, right? That's why yeah. we call it management of conditions or illnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so important to make sure that I mean you take breaks throughout the day three minutes five minutes whatever it may be to just be present and acknowledge what you've done for the day acknowledge that's okay now we let go of that part of the day now it's okay. and you know just those reminders just to get up from your chair when you're working or just you know walking outside for two minutes get fresh air just little things like that is really helpful because it brings you back to the current to the present and that's the whole idea especially with anxiety and stress management
0: um and when it comes to things that are a bit more serious um i know you know when we say it's your responsibility and but sometimes there are things that a bit that are a bit more debilitating something things things that Mm -hmm. you just can't you you just don't have the mental capacity or the um at the time to to get yourself to yeah. um, take responsibility um and if we talk about something like for instance depression um what can you maybe as well shed some light on what it is um, and what what are the different types um and as well how that is managed
1: sure um okay so so depression is it's, yeah, it's a really debilitating condition, um, but it is a condition, and, and I prefer to use condition just because illness sounds so harsh, but um, if we're going to look at the literal meaning, it is an illness that affects your body, your mood, and your thoughts, so that's basically your body, your mind, and how you react to things, because that's mood, right, we're either happy or we're not. Um, And it's also something that's more ongoing. It goes on for a longer period of time versus sadness, which could be temporary because it's an environmental, you know, cause. Maybe somebody passed away or maybe, you know, you've been retrenched from work and now we're sad, right? Um, You've broken up with someone, we're sad. Um, And then you also have the daily blues where every now and then you do feel a bit more down and, you know, Nothing's really happened, but you're feeling down. So we've got to differentiate between depression and sadness because those are different, right? But depression is going to affect um, the way you eat, the way you sleep. It's going to affect your moods, the way you look at yourself. You have feelings of this complete hopelessness. You're fatigued. You can't get up to take a bath or a shower. You either eat too much or you eat too little, or you sleep too much or you sleep too little, and then one of the biggest indicators is loss of interest—the things that you used to love to do. Once you've lost that interest, that's a big red flag uh, because then it means you've got—you feel like you've got no purpose and meaning um, in life. So then, going into the types of depression, so we've got the the. Major, depress- major depression, right, which we all know is your deep, dark depression. You've got bipolar mood disorder, um, which involves episodes of depression, and then also mania and hypermania. And you've got dysthymia, which is the less severe form of depression, which also will have episodes of sadness. Um, and then there's there's a whole bunch of different other kinds of depression that falls within these aspects. But I mean, these are your, your main ones. Um, And I think the idea here is, you know, how do we manage all the difficulties? Sorry, not the idea. The difficulty is how do we manage something that affects our body, our mind, our thoughts, our moods? Because that's essentially of well-being, right? It affects all those sort of domains. So how do we get out of that? So we need to look at it from a holistic approach. So we need to look at, okay, cool. Let's read up on depression first. Let's have a look at what it is. Where are the self-tip helps? So like if you go to the South African Depression and Anxiety Group website, they have brochures on all kinds of um, illnesses, depression included. It gives you booklets and leaflets and it helps with Q&As and self-tips. So the more you read up on something, the more you understand it. So it's important to understand what's happening in your mind, what's happening in your body, and why you're feeling the way you do, right? And so with that, then you say, okay, now what do I do? right? I now realize I'm, I need to rely on my first line of defense, which is my support system um, at home, at work, Um And then go, okay, do I need to see a therapist? How long have I been feeling like this? If you're feeling like this for like two years, then you need to seek the necessary help. Because that means nothing's, you you know, you can't get out of the spiral. The longer you leave it, the harder it's going to be to get better. So then therapy becomes an option. What self-care techniques again, we're looking at self-care. What can I implement? So now bearing in mind, you can't get out of bed and you don't really want to do anything and you're fatigued. That's where self-care becomes so important because you take that accountability of trying to get out of bed to do something good for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then in most cases, um, medication because um, people think that depression and you're going to go on antidepressants. So now, you know, this is going to ruin your life and um, you're not going to be able to cope. You're just going to be numb. You're going to be like a zombie and, um, and in actual fact, there's a lot of research that says depression is one of the most curable illnesses. So, you know, it doesn't mean it's the end for you. If you seek help and if you go forth and do what your doctors tell you to do, put in that self-care, ask yourself what do you need to improve on and talk to just that one person, it will make a huge difference in how you manage the depression. You were mentioning medication
0: then, I think, So many people feel a lot of shame around it. Like you were mentioning, um, you know, there's that resistance to it. What is your advice when it comes to having to take medication, um, but if someone is resisting it and, um, you know, what is your advice?
1: So, yeah, medication and the question of medication is always tricky, Um, a very sensitive topic. So right now... um, you know, before I go into the actual answer, um, I think we need to look at pull shaming. That there are people that are pull shaming. And that's also part of why people don't want to do, don't want to go and get medication, because now it's like, oh, you need to go get your crazy meds. You know, mm. um, and that's not cool. That's not okay. And again, this goes, to you as a person start saying, oh wait, people are thinking this is ridiculous. So it actually must be ridiculous. I don't need med- medication. And then the proof is in the pudding because you're actually two years down the line not getting better, right? Yeah. Um, so what option is there? And for me, you know, both as a professional, um, my scope of work is I don't diagnose nor do I provide treatment from a psychiatric sort of perspective. So I can't prescribe medication. But if I feel a client is not getting help, uh, not getting better, Despite self-care techniques, despite everything else in place, medication is then an absolute must, and I will refer them accordingly. From my personal experience, and I think this is what's hold, what should hold more value, is that medication saved my life. And I say that with just everything in me, and I'll say to anybody who listens, um, If you are prescribed medication, try it. Don't dismiss it. Don't fight it Um, because medication, essentially what it's going to do is going to – you're going to take a medication that takes about two weeks to kick in. Um, Allow the two weeks to happen. For some people it might be a little bit longer, but allow – the medication is meant to bring – you back to a state of normalization. And when I say normalization, um, I mean it's going to bring you back to where you're rational enough to make decisions, where you're rational enough to make good decisions, and you're rational enough to say, hey, you know what, here's a a possible situation I'm not going to like or it's going to interfere with something. You're rational enough to be able to react differently. So that's what medication does. Is essentially it's just helping you get to a state where you're able to think and react in a good way. So mm. for me, it's don't, don't not do it. If the psychiatrist is insisting that you should take it, I my personal belief is do it. Um, also, though, it depends where you're getting your medicine from. You know, you're not going to go to a, a general practitioner if you've been experiencing depression for two years. Because then clearly that's not working. Go to a professional who's an expert in the psyche, expert in the mind. See, it could take one tablet that just makes things better, you know, and then you incorporate all your your self-care and your holistic um, healing. And um, for me, just to give you an example, it took me over two and a half years to get my medication right, Um, which was a battle because some medication made me feel sleepy the whole day, which means I couldn't function at work. Um, other medication just made me not feel um, it made me feel dizzy um, and the important part here and if any listeners would just take this advice is if you are taking medication and you're already feeling uneasy about having to take medication make sure you're writing down your symptoms and how these things are making you feel because you are absolutely entitled to go back to your psychiatrist and say these are not making me feel any better and that's fine because side effects will happen Where everybody's different no one will react to the same tablet in the same way so speak up and connect with your psychiatrist and that's your connection with your psychiatrist is also what's going to help you with the medication and the right combination to get yourself back to the state of being able to cope i hope that answers it it does it does
0: and um I think something like you were say, saying sometimes it takes one tablet or you know one maybe a little while just to get you back into that space of being able to get out of bed um, get uh, into the mind space where you do want to uh, put those self-care practices in place yeah. where, and be consistent with them where over time you can then integrate Um, or the self-care practices into your life and go off the medication because now you have the coping skills. You were able to just use the medication to get you in that space to... able to put the coping skills in place and now yeah. you can move off the medication although sometimes it means that you're gonna to have to use medication for the rest of your life and that's also yeah. okay there's absolutely nothing wrong with it some people have to use medication for the rest of their lives and yeah. it just it just helps them like you said to live a more normal life to live a life where yeah. they function better and where they can have you know a joyful
1: life a meaningful life a happy life yeah. because they deserve it absolutely and i think when also a, a lot of the the negativity that 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 is brought about on medication is you know when we feel like these things are not working we stop the medication mm-hmm. and that's that's not the best way to do it because if you're on something for 2 weeks and then suddenly you stop it you know and especially the stronger medication that can have severe side effects and mm-hmm. so people just need to be aware that before even thinking of stopping the medication without being directed as such by your practitioner, by your psychiatrist. Just be very aware of that because that can cause more harm than good. Um, mm. And again, you might, the initial, you know, initially psychiatrists usually say, okay, you'll be on this for six months and then we'll reevaluate. Some people don't need medication again because they're sorted. They found out other mechanisms and everything's fine and working. Um, and then, like you say, other people need it for longer. I've been taking medication since 2012 and I I swear by the medication and, I yeah, that's just my personal opinion. But, um, yeah, so that's my story and my opinion on medication.
0: So you're talking a lot about self-care and self-care practices. So I want to ask you, how do you self-care? Um, how do you bring self-care into your life? What are the kind of things that you do to take care of yourself?
1: Yeah, so for me, self-care comes in the form of um, yoga and meditation daily. Mm. Um, That's something I started a year and a half ago. And I can almost certainly say I almost did every single day. Um, You know, here and there I might have skipped on a weekend, um, but I do it religiously. I found um, I actually was quite wary of yoga because I thought, you know, you need to be the strong person pick yourself up on one hand and fling on the other side and turn your leg the opposite direction and I was like well but I'm going to give it a try and when I did I can seriously say that it has helped me tremendously from both a physical and an emotional and mental space um I often so I follow yoga with Adrian who's worldwide and known you know globally um Mm -hmm. And she has so many videos and themes to her videos that you get to pick what you're feeling. So if today you're feeling anxious, go do a yoga for anxiety. Specifically get on the mat and speak uh, and, and do an anxiety yoga. An anxiety... Oh, my kitty cat's in the background. I'm so sorry. Here.
0: No, don't apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and yeah, so for me, it was yoga. So I started in the morning with... Um, a 30 day at home yoga practice Um, started with a very plain mat um, and got myself going and I started finding like wow this is really powerful stuff right here and in yoga you learn mindfulness meditation you learn to be still just for a few minutes you learn to listen to the sounds around you and just be mindful and grounded again Um, So for me, yoga was a a very big self-care technique and stopping that anytime soon. And every morning I ensure that there is a meditation. So I use um, an app and sometimes I don't use an app. I use it, I do it on my own, just by myself and I meditate and, you know, allow my thoughts to go where they need to go and then bring them back again and some deep breath works and that for me really just my self-care and it's done tremendous work I lost over 12 kilograms as well doing yoga which has helped a lot boost my confidence um so it just has so many benefits it's it's unreal really so that those are my tips and my self-care
0: and I have to agree with you for me that those are big things as well um it's it's more difficult for me being consistent with it but Mm -hmm. I've I've, yeah definitely seen the physical as well as the mental benefits of doing yoga um yeah together with meditation eating more whole food diet um yeah things like that. Like it just it affects every second every part of your life like you said the mental emotional physical aspect um yeah. so yeah that, that is like almost like a, a fundamental part of self-care um that,
1: Yeah, it becomes you, it becomes who you are, yeah, Yeah. it becomes who you are, becomes what you are, it becomes a part of who you are, And, um, and also what is nice about it is you grow into something. So if you genuinely enjoy this, so like for me yoga, then I go and get a nice fancy mat and I go get some accessories and I go get a cool water bottle and, you know, you kind of, you start enjoying it. Because yeah. now it's your thing, then that can apply to physical exercise as well. So each person to their own, right? Maybe yeah. you start playing piano, then you go and buy this piano or whatever. You you build on what works for you, because that that that
0: interest part as well. It's, that something that, that's just for you. That's not for yes. everyone else, especially if you're in a space where you you maybe feel like you pulled into all these different areas and you like, everyone needs something with that this is kind of just the time you can take out for yourself it's something you can do just for yourself Mm -hmm. um and i think with yoga uh, and meditation really helps you to connect the mind and the body um and you know the self-awareness that you were talking about yeah. Um, yeah, been taking care of your mental health, just cultivating that self-awareness, learning how things feel in your body, how certain emotions come up in your body. Um, yeah. So you just it, is, it really is a beautiful practice that, that brings everything together and
1: um, Yeah, it really is. And also um, just to add on to that is you know you kind of you really grow as a person as well um, because you, you're seeing the results yourself. You know, you actually yeah. can see it and you can feel it. And I think that what that's so important. And if I could just give like one last advice in terms of your self-care, no matter what it is that you choose, um, on your most difficult days, and this is what I found with myself plenty of time, I'm like, I can't, I cannot do it. I, I just can't do it. And I'll, I'll bring the yoga mat to the place where I do my yoga. I'll get the session up. I'll get the class up on online. And I'll just stay and be like, I don't have the energy. I don't have it in me to do it. And then I'm like, you know what? Mind over matter here. And when I get on that mat, it changes. And I usually leave feeling absolutely rejuvenated, rewired. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think my advice to people is when you feel your worst, that's when you got to do it. That's when you got to break the side. Yeah. That's when you need it. And for me, like
0: I've, Found that consistently like i get up in the morning i have my shower in the morning i get it i get into my exercise clothes or my yoga clothes whatever and then i'm like kind of in that mind space you know to go and do yeah it yeah I'm, I'm preparing for it and like you said put the yoga mat out even if you just bring it bring it the video up whatever if you're going to do a, a session like that just sit there even if you just sit there and look at the person doing yoga and you're just sitting there eventually you're going to feel yeah. like moving because yeah. they're going kind to of motivate you and inspire you and you're absolutely just you're really just motivating yourself and getting yourself in that space um so i'm going to ask you as a well where where people can find you if they want to work with you um, mm-hmm. if I want to know more about um, your counseling services or the global health network. Um, where can people find you?
1: Sure um, thank you. so you can find me for my counseling you can find me on Facebook um, so you'll go www.facebook.com forward slash and then it's chat with Claudia and it will take you to my page and you can send me a direct message or you can request um, a quote. From there um also via email so it will be the wellness hub 01 at gmail.com the wellness hub being one word um and then for my advocacy work and if there's anyone who wants to partner in terms of that you can find you can email me on claudia.sartor so my surname is s-a-r-t-o-r at g-m- Hpn.org and we also have a website so it's www.gmhpn.org thank you i'll also
0: add all the links in the show notes uh, so cool. people can Great. click through and get hold of you um and then yeah i just want to really thank you for joining us today um but before we go i also want to ask you if you might have um some practical tips or an example something you were mm-hmm. mentioning earlier breath work or mindfulness something yeah. if you have something where you can um you know, just give us like a practical example that uh, okay. the listeners when if, you know when they when they get into that space or when they mm-hmm. if, if there's something new to them or just maybe a reminder um of yeah you know,
1: what's okay um so for me i would say um the most important step ever like this, I genuinely believe this is like the best thing ever. Um, when you have just woken up, you've maybe hit the alarm button. You've just woken up. Do not get out of bed immediately because we we tend to get out of bed, get going. Let's go. Let's make our coffee. Let's get showered. Let's get going. Going, going, going. So we're going to overdrive the second we wake up. Okay. We we need to take we need to take action on that. So what I do is I lie in bed exactly. The way that I woke up is the way I'm going to do this. I genuinely just take a massive deep breath in through the nose, um, and I feel my stomach sort of expand into a big balloon. So you take that deep breath, you're like, and you hold it for, say, two counts. You go one, two, and then you exhale hard, and stomach goes back in. So you go like, so you do two of those just to kind of say, hey, body, hey, mind, I'm awake. Let's work together. Let's not go against each other. Let's work together. Then I will stretch. So I'll stretch my arms alongside my body. Stretch with the palms facing sort of up, like as if I'm against a wall. And I do the same with my feet. And then I move my feet. And you kind of like crunch your hands and you let it go, crunch, let it go. And just those small actions wakes up your body and your mind, but at the same time, so that one's not left behind the other. And then um, I'll then sort of get out of bed, turn around, put my feet on the ground. So I'm sitting at the edge of the bed. I'll take another deep breath in. Same sort of way. Exhale hard and then feel present. So feel your feet on the floor. Feel that you're supported, right? Know that when you get up, you're supported on the ground and that it's okay. And if you fall, it's fine. So it's like a metaphor, right? Feel grounded. You've got something underneath you to support you. And then just one big stretch, however you want to do it, clasp one wrist, uh, one hand around one wrist and then tilt your body to the other and get a nice body stretch. And then you're good to go. And it just gives you that, like, awakened sort of mind and spirit to, to get ready for the day.
0: I love that. Thank you. It's kind of like that uh, My connecting your mind and body and it's kind of like, almost like a setting an intention for the day. Like this is how I want to yep. go through. Not just have your mind racing. Oh, do 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 uh go. Yes. go kind of this is how I want to move through my day with my mind and body connected. I like that. I'm gonna try it tomorrow morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> try it. Let me know how it goes.
0: <laughs> thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. And thank you for being on the no podcast today, having this beautiful conversation. Um, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Have a great day too.
0: All the links for today's episode can be found in the show notes, as well as where you can find us online. We would love to hear from you. Send us your feedback, connect, and we will see you next time.
2: How lucky I have been, and oh I remember the days of glowworms worms and fireflies. What did I do to deserve?